Hey, hey, hey. Welcome to another episode of the Anxiety Wad Podcast. I'm your host, Corey. So grateful you are here once again to listen to me mumble on the microphone. Uh, Full-length episode going on here today, and it's going to be a little bit different. Uh, I got a question about life lessons from someone that has learned to manage their anxiety. And so I think I might actually try to get this for the entire episode and talk about you know things that I've learned over the years. And I'm also going to talk about things I wish I would have known way back when mine started. Um, the number one thing that I've learned over the years is that the information and knowledge is out there and available for you to pick up, to learn and put into practice. Everything that you will ever need is available to you to calm and manage your anxiety. It's available. Now, where to find it, where to put it together, uh, how to put it into action, that's that's something that you can either learn or ask someone that's a little bit farther along in your journey. But I didn't believe that there was a cure, so to speak. I still don't think like a, like a cure cure is like, boom, it's gone. Um, and, and I think that might be more out of self-preservation on my end is just like, I want to be prepared just in case it rears its ugly head once again. And so I don't look at it as I'm cured. Now it's been, it's been a very long time since I've had a bout of anxiety. You know, I still get a little nervous, a little worked up around certain things, but like the real severe anxiety that many of you may still be dealing with, it's been a little while for myself, but when it was at its worst, I didn't believe that I could tackle it on my own. I spent a lot of my time waiting for someone to save me. I spent a lot of time waiting for that one thing to make things better, that one event to make me happy, that one pretty much magical pill. And it it just wasn't the way it worked. It's not the way it works. However, everything that you need to learn to manage your anxiety, anxiety is there and available if you look for it. There's websites like healingwell.com that has an online forum where you can go in and honestly look up questions. There's a chat room if you're having a hard night or day. Um, There's information and questions that people just like you have asked. They have the same questions that you had. And that's what was very eye-opening for me at the time is because I felt like I was alone. I felt like I was the only one feeling the way that I felt. And I felt weak because I could not overcome this thing that I felt was a weakness. Like I felt like it was a weakness and I felt like I was different. I felt like I was the only one that was freaking out over the littlest things, but I wasn't. People just like me had the same questions that I had. They had the same struggle that I had. It was almost identical and I was just, my eyes were just wide open. And that was just like that little bit of spark in a dark room that was like, oh, so it's it's like a thing. It's like other people have this too. So it was an eye opener for me. And from that um, forum is I started to find books and I, fu- I started to find people were saying, you know, when you're sick, you go to the doctor. Well, when your brain's sick, go to a, like a mind doctor, like a psychologist, go to therapy. And it was, and I, you know, I th- before I found that, like people that were just like me, I thought it was like a scary thing. I didn't want to be 
and, and this is my own hang up. It's, I'm not like directing this towards anyone. This is just how I viewed it, it which I shouldn't, you know, my mom was a sociologist, uh, you know, she, she studied sociology. She was a social worker. Um, I should have known. I just, it didn't connect. Um, I was more, um, enthralled in what I was going through personally than I was willing to tackle it myself. I just, and I think timing has a lot to do with it. And the more that you, the more information you find, like I've talked about the scavenger hunt, you can bring it along with you and it compounds. Um, and, and over time, all of that stuff's going to connect and you're going to kind of level up. Um, but what happened was I, it changed my perspective on what therapy actually was. It was actually just a way for me to find out more information. It was just going from an online forum to a face-to-face forum. I was asking the same thing in therapy as I was online. I was reading the same kind of questions in therapy that I was reading online. It was just back and forth a little bit more so than you post a question and you come back and find your answer. A therapist is just like, hey, what do you think about this? And then you say something and they're like, okay, interesting. Well, what about this? And then you say something and they're like, interesting. What about this? And how does that make you feel? Well, what do you think about that? And they just ask you questions. It's very, very different than from what I ever expected. And so I had the online, th- online reference. I had a therapist. And for me, my, my big hang up in life for gaining knowledge was developing a reading habit. And I've, I've done a few talks about this over the years. But like up until the age 35, I had only read, like sat down and read five books. That's just how I was. You know, I, I learned to memorize things. I learned to um, read the summaries and I would I was able to get very good grades. But like developing a reading habit was was a hard thing for me. And I talked about this on the one way wad, which was very early on in the podcast. But as soon as I figured out audiobooks, well actually I'm old enough where they weren't always the thing. And in fact, in college, my marketing project back in uh, 1999 I'll, I'll never forget this because we were talking about it uh, a few weeks back, but, um, our marketing project was to market tech textbooks on CD. So it was like an, like someone would read the textbook and you could listen to it on a CD so you could follow along. And that was just my own hang up. And then come to find out, I don't even know when audiobooks came to be, but I was like, Oh man, <laughs> it was one of those, not that I thought of it first. I'm sure there's plenty of people thought about it, but it was just, you know, one of those things that it was, it connected back to that memory in marketing that I was thinking about it back then. Why not start this now? And so when I started out my reading habit, um, I started reading books by Eckhart Tolle, um, by the Dalai Lama, people that I knew were beneficial to personal development just because of the people I was around. Um, but it was also some of the people that my mom had read over the years. And, and talked about. So Eckhart Tolle, the Dalai Lama, um, Brene Brown, all of those good, good books. I, I'd read about Zen. I'd read about Buddhism. I'd read about religion, all of that stuff. I just kept gaining knowledge and it, like this scavenger hunt began. And so online therapy books. And then I started talking to other people that were just like me. And I, I would share my stories of what I was doing at the time and developing these habits. And I'd read um, books about uh, hope and help for your nerves by Dr. Claire Weeks. Um, there's a book called Spark, and uh, or Dare, excuse me, not Spark, it's a different book, but Dare 
uh, by Brian McDonough, I think his name is. All these books are on my website, by the way. Um, but I would share information on, well, this, this book talks about trying this thing. I'm doing that right now and it's actually kind of working. You should give it a shot. And that's how coaching began for me. I was just sharing information. And so through sharing that information, I started telling my story. And so the thing about telling your story is that your anxiety loses power over you when you don't isolate. And so the second lesson, you know, the first one is there's the knowledge that you need to manage your anxiety is out there and available. And please holler if you want to know where to look for it. I can, I can sure help you find you, help you find what you're looking for. Number two. So number two is, is the more that you hide from your anxiety, the more that you don't deal with it, the more that you don't confront it, the stronger it becomes. Because as soon as you name it, as soon as you share it, it loses power over you. This is another thing I wish I would have known early on is that attack it. And that may not be your nature, but think of it as I'm going to hit it head on. That may not be your nature. I am going to fix it. If that is your nature, I am going to problem solve if that's your nature, but go head on into the wave because if you just dive through it, you're going to come out on the other side. I hid from it. I didn't know how to deal with it. I didn't take action. Um, one of my faults was I wasn't a reader. So I kind of use that as a crutch, like saying, Hey, well, I, I guess I can't read anyway, so I'm not going to learn anything about it. But I, I did take action and, and, you know, I suffered for a good three years straight. And I think I've mentioned this before where I was so worried about having a heart attack and dying before I went to bed that I would sleep with an ice pack on my chest. It was a miserable existence. Thinking about it now, I wouldn't known if I died anyways. <laughs> it's funny to me now because it was just such a ridiculous thought, but I was stuck on it. Ice pack. And I would, I would have just stores of ice pack in my freezer. I'd wake up at two. Ice pack was a little warm. I'd go get another one. And in my mind, that was my way of coping with it. Sorry, I just hit my table. But in my mind, that was a way that I could get through. Rather than trying to fix the underlying cause, you know, it's, I, I don't know how to explain it to you if you're really suffering that the, the more, the being stuck on thoughts is not taking action on your own benefit. It's part of the disorder that you have, but it's not the solution. And like I said earlier, everything that you need is out there and available for knowledge. Everything you need to confront your anxiety is within you right now. You just kind of have to dig a little deeper, dust it off. And I'm not saying just don't worry, because I know what that, that feels like when people tell you that. But I'm saying I want you to believe in yourself, because I did not. I do now, because I took action on my own behalf. I started telling my story. I, I got away from isolating myself in my apartment. I got out in the world, not necessarily the scary world that I was afraid of, but I went to the library, got audiobooks. I ventured out to the library to get on a computer. I didn't have a computer at the time. I got out and I talked to people at the rec center where I was working out. And through those connections, I was able to pay it a little forward, even though I was struggling. I removed myself from isolation and I started to heal. 
reach out. Someone is going to grab your hand and pull you aboard. Living with anxiety is getting crashed by wave after wave after wave while you're trying to learn how to swim. There are people out there that know how to swim, that know how to surf, and that know how to steer a ship through those waves. You don't have to get crashed by waves by yourself. I promise you. All right, number three, taking care of your health. I was someone that used alcohol and I abused alcohol and used it as my quote unquote therapy. I did not take care of myself. Uh, you know, if I, if I would drink too much, I would smoke cigarettes and people that know me now would probably think that's ridiculous, but I did. I'd be that guy that'd be like, Hey, I'll give you a dollar if I can have a cigarette. And I would do it often. Sounds disgusting. I saw a guy today when we were running for, for our workout dude smoking outside the Chinese buffet. And I was like, Oh God. But then quickly I was like, why do I judge him? I used, I used to do that, but taking care of your body. So number one, substance abuse. And I'm just saying abuse. I'm not saying addiction. Now abuse was my way to deal with both the physical and mental pain I was feeling at the time. It was a way to numb and it only numbed me for a short while because as soon as I got to the point where I was drunk, I knew I was going to be hungover in the morning. And my hangovers were the worst anxious days that I ever had because my first ever panic attack was when I was hungover. So that, you know, that mind-body connection of that feeling. And, and you guys know, the ones that have panic attacks, that feeling you get when you are like, okay, here it comes. That's what being hungover was for me. And so I was crippling myself with my own healing by continuing to abuse and thinking that was my way to deal. I just, I just, you know, I was a very healthy person. I was an athlete. And as soon as I was done being an athlete, I just went the other way. Now I never really got into drugs or anything. I just, I, I would be on pain medication and drinking, which was just terrible, terrible for you. And eventually the pain medication would come and go. And I, there was times where I would just completely stop drinking. And like one right now is one of them. I just, it doesn't benefit me anymore. And luckily I was at a place a couple of years ago where it's like, you know what? I just don't need to do it. Does it benefit me anymore? And that was about the extent of the decision. It doesn't benefit me anymore. And so I started taking care of my health. So another part of your health, and I want you to really look into this is there's a, a, a huge amount of research out there about gut health, not only for metabolic conditions and disease, but also for mental health. Your stomach is the most integral part of your body. If your body is not di digesting food and minerals and vitamins the correct way, your body's going to be off. Your hormones are going to be off. Everything in your body is going to be off. So look into gut health, but also look into proper nutrition. Now you might think that's a little weird coming from someone talking about mental health, but it is connected. If you're not feeling good physically, mentally, it's really hard to feel good because all those ticks, all those, you know, those little things that you tune into are even more apparent when you're not healthy. Now, when I was not taking care of myself, I would have said BS, whatever. But when I, you're on the other side of it and you're actually taking care of yourself, you're like, why did I ever do that to myself? Why? There's no point. There is no nutritional value in pop. 
or soda. There is no nutritional value in a bag of chips, but yet they're delicious, you know? And now I eat, you know, I'm like 90, 10 or 80, 20%, 80% healthy, 20%. I, I, I'll have some Halo Top. I actually just recently got into some uh, gourmet licorice, <laughs> but that, that went away. But taking care of your body is a huge part of how you're going to feel mentally. I promise you. Coming from someone that has had both mental health issues and chronic pain issues, which is osteoarthritis, I've had joint replacement in both my hips. I've had a pinched nerve in my neck, and I've had two neck surgeries. Um, I've had an ACDF C5 to C7, which is just an anterior um, cervical discectomy infusion. So I have a big plate in the middle of my neck. So I know about pain and a lot of my pain is mitigated by nutrition and what I put into my body. And so your mind body connection is a huge part of what you're going to do. Now I'm not going to force my viewpoints on you, but if you really want to get healthy, the things I'm talking about right now are the way to do it. So take that as you will. All right, number four. And it's something that, it's not really a lesson, but it's just something I would have known. People with anxiety, people with depression are some of the strongest people you will ever meet. Especially if they're out and about, if they're at work, if they're out doing life. They're doing that stuff in spite of this heavy, heavy load that they carry with them everywhere they go. Now, I, in my mind, felt like I was weak, and I mentioned that earlier, but I didn't know how strong I was until that's the only thing I had left. I'd ruin relationships. I would ruin um, opportunities career-wise. I would ruin opportunities family-wise and just duck out of things and miss experience. Now, if I would have just kind of pushed through and allowed myself to be a little vulnerable planned ahead. And, you know, if I, especially with the family events, if I would have just said, you know, if I would have filled them in earlier and just said, you know, I'm, this is going to be a hard one for me. So I'm going to need your support, but I'm going to come anyways. If I have to leave, that's why versus just not showing up. I didn't know any of that. I, I you know, and I regret, I, I try not to have regrets because everything that I've done has led me to this point, but that's the stuff I regret is missing out on experiences just because I was too terrified to even try. And so like when I'm having a bad day, I just, I remember that. Remember you just wouldn't even go, but you're stronger than you can ever imagine. I promise you. And it's, it's kind of like, it's hard for me to say that to you and you believe it. But when you get on the other side of this thing, which you will, if you take action on these things I'm mentioning, you're going to be like, holy crap. I have no idea how I got through some of that stuff with all that crap going on in my head. You know, I, my, mine really started when I found out my older brother had, um, cancer, you know, it was a big life change. I was moving out to California. I was under a lot of pressure, um, trying out for the NFL. I was flying a lot. I hate flying. It was right around nine 11. And it was just a lot of a timing thing but I don't know how I would get on a plane and fly to Orlando or fly to California or fly anywhere when inside my brain, 
it's like when the the cable goes out and somebody cranks up the volume and you and they pull the knob off and you can't turn it down and you're sweating and you're shaking and you're dizzy and you can feel your heartbeat in your ears and your mouth and your teeth but i flew it was crazy like i look back at some of that stuff and i'm like i don't know how i did that but you are stronger than you will ever believe I promise you. I say I promise you a lot because I know what it's like not to believe that stuff. I know what it's like when people say that, oh, it's going to get better. And you're like, yeah, whatever. But it can. I'm living proof of that. I'm talking on a microphone to you guys. And I was the worst of the worst. You know, I, I hid out in my apartment room, apartment building, and I'd sit and, you know, drink a six-pack of beer and go to sleep, watch a movie. I used to collect movies. I still collect movies. That's just, <laughs> it's kind of my one um, side habit is collecting movies, and that's mainly because I can memorize <laughs> every movie that I've ever seen. But I would hide out. It was just it was just a sad, sad existence. But that was my reality. I didn't believe it. I didn't believe that things could get better. I didn't believe I was strong enough to tackle it. I didn't believe that it was inside of me to fix it, to manage it. But it is. It still is. It's still growing. It's still getting stronger every day for me because I'm putting in the work. Okay, that got pretty intense. I'm sorry, but... <laughs> I just was reflecting as I was speaking on some of the stuff I've been through. So, number five. Your personal development, working on yourself, does not have to be perfect. If you're someone that worries about perfection or knowing exactly how to get better, make it your own. It's not. It does not have to look like mine. It does not have to look like your neighbor's. Your personal development does not have to be perfect. Start a little bit every day and add on a little bit every day. Read a little bit, meditate a little bit, work on your breath a little bit, take care of your health a little bit, talk to someone a little bit, and your day is done. The next day, do it again. Consistency over perfection is going to get you farther down the road. Consistent effort over time is what's going to get you to the point that you can manage your anxiety. Consistency, consistency, consistency. Try saying that three times fast. I can't believe I did that, especially being a Norwegian. But it does not have to be perfect. I, I worried so much about making sure that mine looked like the people I was reading on the healing well com that I didn't take action. I'm like, well, I can't do that. And it was mainly the reading thing. And I would put up this roadblock like I can't so quickly that I would stop myself before I even started. Any action is better than none. Try something. If it doesn't work, tweak it. Over and over and over again. 
develop a habit that you can insert things and take them out as needed. The things that don't work, just take them out and put something new in. There's unlimited techniques out there that you can try that may or may not fit you. You know, the, the things that I talk about on here are the things that worked for me. And remember, I'm not an expert by any means. I'm just someone that's had a lot of consistent effort over time. I just have years under my belt. You know, and I, I, I explain it better through words than I do for writing it down. I've been consistent long enough that I'm able to articulate this to you guys on what worked for me. There's my dumb table again, I'm sorry. If you guys only saw me right now, I get very, like, I do a lot of hand gestures when I'm talking, and I don't know why. It's not like I need to emphasize my words. I'm, like, standing in front of a wall. <laughs> so consistency, guys. Like, that's the key to the game. Every day, over and over and over again. That your inner dialogue is where you want to start. Start hacking those thoughts, reprogramming your brain, reprogramming your beliefs. Because right now you believe that you're broken. You believe that those things that terrify you are real. You know, and this is this is about life lessons from someone that's been a lifelong anxiety sufferer. 98% of the things I worried about never happened. The other 2%, one of which was cancer happened after I had got, got to a point where I could manage my anxiety and it was just skin cancer. It wasn't even really that big a deal to me at the time. After all the crap I've been through physically, I was at a point where I could take care of that mentally. And the only reason I could is because of the work I had put up every morning up until that point. And if you look at CrossFit's continuum, which is just the arc, on one side is happiness, in the middle is contentment, on the other side is sadness, depression, or anxiousness. Each time you take action, you're kind of creeping up and over that continuum to a closer place of happiness. Consistent effort over time, ticking my way over towards happiness, that when that cancer diagnosis came, I didn't fall to depression, I didn't fall to sadness, I didn't fall to anxiousness. I went to contentment, which is like, okay, what's the next course of action? Now, if it would have happened 10 years ago, I have no idea what would have happened. It's scary to think what it would have happened because I'd have been like, I was right. I knew it. But that 2% out of 98% of the things I worried about weren't that bad. 98% of the things that you're scared of happening aren't going to happen. And I'm telling you this as someone that believed the same thing that you believe right now. This has been a pretty intense episode, but I want you guys to believe that you can do this. I did not believe in myself. I gave up on myself. I quit dreaming. I quit chasing goals. I quit experiencing things with my family. I quit making friends. I quit dating. I quit, 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 quit on myself. I don't want that for you guys. Everything you ever need to fix this and manage this in your life is within you right now. 
You have to uncover it through action, through talking to someone, through books, through experiences, through exposures, through learning breathing techniques to get you through that day, developing safety nets, figuring ways out of situation, preparing for your triggers. All of that is what's going to help you guys out. So there's my top five lessons. I hope that helps. It's pretty intense. I'm like sweating right now. So, you know, I apologize for being intense, but these lessons I wish I would have known early, early on, and I'm gifting them to you guys. I hope you guys take action. If you have any questions on any of these things I talked about, please reach out. Anxietywad at gmail.com. Hit me up on Instagram, Facebook, the Twitters. It's CrossFit.Cory at Twitter, I think. (laughs) I don't do Twitter much, so that's kind of why it's funny. But please reach out. I will help you. That's what I'm here for. I made a promise to myself. I don't even know when. But I remember it very vividly. It was 3 o'clock in the morning. And I had given up praying, which I talked about with David on the episode. And I made myself a promise which is probably what I needed at the time to rely on myself and say, if I ever get to a point where I can manage this, I will help as many people as I can, no matter what. So make yourself that promise. Let's get after it, guys. Have yourself a peaceful morning, afternoon, or evening. Keep coming back. You can figure this out, I promise. We'll see you later.